0: Well, good evening again, and welcome to Sunday night service here at Moody Church. Church family, we love and we miss you guys. It's, uh, I still wish so much so that I was looking at you face to face rather than through the screen. Um, but until that time, we're so glad that, that you're joining us here, whether are on YouTube or church online or on Facebook. So good to, to have you worshiping alongside with us tonight. We are finishing tonight our series um, I'm talking about hope. And as I've been really thinking and reading a lot on hope the last couple months, one of the things that's, that struck me is that hope, when we talk about it, really goes down to like the level of our desires, right? It's not a surface level thing. When you ask someone, what are you placing your hope in? That's a, a deep conversation. And when we think about hope, sometimes it can be so deep that, that we start to lose, like, well, what does hope practically look like in our lives? Or you could maybe ask it another question this way. What are outward evidences when I look at my life? How do I know if I'm placing my hope in the right thing? How do I know if I'm placing my hope in Jesus or if I'm, ha- I'm placing my hope in something of the world, whether it's career or family, good things, but still not ultimate things, things that will ultimately lead to disappointment. Well, the Bible, when it talks about um, these outward signs, one of the, the metaphors that's used all over the Bible, and especially in the New Testament, is this idea of fruit. You may have heard in Galatians chapter five, there's the fruit of the spirit. These outward signs, outward evidences of the internal reality. Because the truth is, if we are placing our hope fully on Jesus Christ, If our hopes aren't for this world, our hopes aren't for what we see here now, but our hope is in Jesus, what he will accomplish, his faithfulness to his promises. If that's where our hope lies, then there will be fruit. There will be evidences today in our lives that that has indeed been the case. If our hope is placed on Christ, it will change how we live our lives today. So tonight, we're going to look at a few different passages from the New Testament, looking at evidences of hope. Evidences of hope, signs that we know that we've placed our hope in Jesus. And the first evidence of hope that we're going to look at tonight is joy. The first evidence of hope is, is joy. Joy that joy and experiencing joy and showing joy in our lives is actually an outward sign that we have placed our hope, not on the things of this world, but have placed our hope properly on Jesus Christ. It says in Romans chapter 12 verse 12. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation and be constant in prayer. Rejoice in hope. Now this idea that joy is an actually an an evidence or a byproduct of hope at first might be quite surprising. But I think that's oftentimes because we confuse and we think of joy as the same way as we use the word happiness. See joy and happiness though they kind of mean the same thing sometimes in how we talk mean different things when we think of how the Bible talks about joy. See, when happiness, when we talk about being happy, happiness is by and large based on our circumstances. It's based on events around us, whereas joy is based on our relationship with Christ. Happiness is based on circumstances. Joy is based on knowing Jesus. And what that means is that if happiness is based on circumstances, is that our happiness comes and goes, based on how our circumstances are, but joy is present no matter what the circumstances. Because the promises of Christ that we're hoping in are the same no matter how our life may look today. You can think of it this way, contrasting happiness and joy. So this past week, was my birthday and obviously you can't throw a birthday party. Can't really do much, right? Because we're still at stay at home. Can't go hang out with a bunch of people. Can't even go out to eat at a restaurant here in Chicago still, right? So, but I was kind of overwhelmed this last week. I had so many different people either at church or at my home drop off baked goods. And I love sweets. I have such a bad sweet tooth. So this week, the last four days, I've eaten so much cheesecake, brownies, Cookies, cake, rice crispy treats, you name it. The sweets have been dropped off at my house and I have thoroughly enjoyed them. You could say that they have brought me great happiness. But here's the thing, I have eaten those treats and they have all been very good. And afterwards, my thought has always been, I think I'm gonna still want more of that. I think I will still want more. Why? Because it's a moment of happiness that I will want to come back to in an hour and have another brownie, another piece of cake that will bring me more happiness, but it doesn't last beyond the time that I enjoy it. Whereas joy, joy is a more permanent thing. Joy doesn't come and go. Joy is always there. And so actually having a proper hope Placing our hope in Jesus is necessary for experiencing true joy here on earth. Because if our hope is placed on anything other than Christ, it may lead to amount of happiness, maybe even sustained happiness for weeks, months, maybe even years at a time. But ultimately it can't bring the lasting kind of joy that only Jesus promised. Because the reality is this, that nothing in this world will satisfy. Nothing in this world will satisfy. As humans, you and I are made for meaning, for purpose, and we are out looking for it. We, we are placing our identity in things. And if we place our identity in things such as, as work, ultimately it will lead maybe to moments of happiness, but it will undoubtedly lead to disappointments as well. Maybe if we've placed our identity even in pursuing after what is right and pursuing justice in the world it will lead to moments of happiness as we see certain wrongs being righted. But ultimately, we live in a world that will always have injustice because it's a world filled with sin. And no matter how hard we strive, we will never be able to do it all ourselves and will ultimately lead us to a place of unrest and unhappiness. See, you cannot experience joy When you're hoping in the things of this world. You cannot experience joy when your hope is on the things of this world. And only when we find the right hope. Do we experience the kind of joy that Jesus promises after us. And get this. Because our hope in Jesus is sure. It doesn't go up and down. It doesn't fade on or off. Because our hope in Jesus is sure. We can be joyful no matter the circumstances. Not happy, but we can experience true joy, no matter the circumstances of our life, because our hope is placed on the right thing. It's why James can say in the first chapter of his book, count it all joy when you experience trials of different kinds. I have been impacted all over in my life in many different ways, but especially the last week at the joy that seems to be coming out of someone who is undergoing devastating circumstances. Um, If you've followed much in the Christian news world or you follow Christianity for very long, you probably know the name, the name Rabbi Zacharias, who has been a well-known apologist has one of the best articulators of the faith of this generation. A godly man who has done so much good in sharing the good news about Jesus Christ. And just about a week ago, it came out that the cancer that he has has progressed and doctors are no longer able to treat it. And he is home most likely soon to be with Jesus. But if you follow him on any social media, on Facebook or on Twitter, the people who are visiting him and updating, they're not saying he's in distress. He's not somehow overwhelmed with sadness at the news, but he is actually still filled with joy. Why? Because his hope has been placed in the right thing. His hope is in his savior, Jesus Christ. And even in the face, looking at death, knowing it could be any day, he's not living a life of despair, but a life of joy. Why? Because his hope has been fixed on Christ. See, what you're placing your hope in has a profound impact on everyday life. So what are you placing your hope in today? Are you experiencing true joy or is your life just seem to be going up and down based on the circumstances of your life? You know, the last couple months, our circumstances have been up and down, mostly down for a lot of us. And we don't really know in the future if that will change. But as followers of Jesus Christ, we don't have to live in despair because we have joy because our hope in Christ through all of this and through whatever will come has never changed. And so we can be people who have joy because of the hope that we have. The second evidence of salvation, excuse me, of hope. The second evidence of hope that we see in this passage is boldness. Boldness, the ability to, to be bold in different ways that we're going to talk about because of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Paul references this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12, talking about kind of what has come before and this hope that we have now in Jesus. He says, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Since we have such a great hope in Jesus, we are very bold. Bold. He talks about how what we have in Jesus is so much more glorious than anything that the Old Testament even could comprehend. So much so that Paul, even in this passage, compares himself to Moses and says what we have is even more glorious than that. What does Paul mean here when he talks about how the hope leads him to boldness? One commentator said it this way, that it's Paul's ability to speak freely and openly and to give honest criticism to others to help them become more like Christ. A bold life to help others become more like Christ. Why? Why can we live bold lives? Well, it's because our hope isn't in this world or the opinions of others, but our hope is in Jesus. And when our hope is placed there, we will see in us a a sense of boldness, not brought about by our own efforts, but actually by the spirit within us, God's spirit who dwells in each and every believer. So we think about hope producing boldness. Where do we, where should we as followers of Jesus Christ be seeing this play out in our lives? Where do we need to be bold in our lives? A few different ways. The first place that we need to be bold in our lives is we need to be bold in evangelism. We need to be bold in evangelism. Evangelism is kind of the Christian word, if you would, for, for sharing our faith, for telling others about the good news of what Jesus Christ has done for us. As I was studying this word bold this past week, I was struck at how many occurrences in the New Testament occur in the book of Acts. And they're talking about when the apostles have gone out after Jesus rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, the apostles were sent out to preach the gospel, to tell others about what Jesus had done. And all throughout Acts, the word so often that characterizes how they talk about Jesus and how they Act in certain situations is that they proclaimed the word with boldness. This idea of being bold and declaring the good news about Jesus was a constant characteristic of the apostles in the early church. See, we need boldness in evangelism because oftentimes sharing our faith is hard, it's not the easiest thing in the world. Uh, yesterday, actually it's interesting, yesterday there was an email sent to a couple of us pastors that, that a, a message had been sent into the church that someone had heard a message on the radio, was writing in and said, I need someone to call me today because I want to know how to place my faith in Jesus Christ today. And so we had a pastor who went and called them and they placed their faith in Jesus Christ. Most of the time, it's not quite that easy. Right? I think for most of us, if someone called us and said, hey, I want to place my faith in Jesus, we would know what to do next or at least be able to come up with something to help guide them. But most of the time, it won't be that easy. See, we want to present the good news about Jesus in a winsome, but yet in a compelling way towards others. So what does it mean? Does it mean that God has called us to just stand on the street corners um, that we need to go out and and just get a, a big blowhorn and shout out about what Jesus has done. Well, no. like if, if that's what God has called you to, then there's nothing wrong about that. But that's not what he's saying here. But we need to be winsome in how we live our lives and bold in sharing our faith. See, a lot of Books recently have talked about the importance of just lifestyle evangelism, living out our faith before others and sharing our faith with them. The temptation can be, we can become so focused on making sure other people see our lives that we never actually open our mouths. We're like, well, they see how I live. I don't actually have to open my mouth and say anything. Well, yes, we do. Hope calls us to be bold bold in sharing our faith. Yes, living it out, but being bold and proclaiming what Jesus has done for us as well. Another area that we need to be bold is we need to be bold in our lifestyle. We need to be bold in our life and how we live in this world. See, if you've been following any of the trends that follow or study religion um, over the last several years, you'll know that right now, the fastest growing religious group in the United States is the rise of the nuns, not like Catholic nuns, but nuns, people who don't believe in really any kind of organized religion. And what's happened the last 20 years, especially, is there's kind of been a decline, not in true Christians, not a decline in people who go to church and, and profess that Jesus is their Lord. but what there's been a decline in is actually what you would call cultural Christianity. So people who, if you ask them, they would say they're Christian. They may even kind of identify with a denomination that they grew up with. And for the most part, they had the same views on morality and life that Christians should. But what's happened in our world today is that is now... And the majority of people who are not worshipers of Jesus, who don't go to church, don't share the same worldview. They don't share the same moral fiber that you and I do. Meaning that how we live our lives will look different in the world today. A few areas that it could look different. It can look different when it comes to the area of money. The area of money that, are, that so often it's just a pursuit of my own pleasures and whatever I want. This idea of being generous with our money, that people would actually earn a paycheck and give some of it voluntarily away to an organization not called the United States government. People are like, why would you ever give your money away? It's yours to begin with. But we need to have a lifestyle of understanding what God says about our finances. An area that's so radically different than how our world talks about it is the Christian's sexual ethic. This idea that our sex isn't just about us and our own satisfaction is just so foreign in our world today. And the audacity that we would have to say that someone else, even God, would have some say on how we live our lives just goes against so much of how people would act and think. But as followers of Jesus Christ who's placed our hope in Jesus, we need to be bold in following him. Bold in living for him even in the areas that quite frankly don't make a lot of sense to people anymore. And our lives need to be bold lives. Another area that we need to be bold is bold in our discipleship. We need to be bold in our discipleship. Discipleship means becoming more like Jesus. See, in this passage in 2 Corinthians, when Paul is talking about boldness here, he's specifically talking about why he is so free in calling out sin and wrong and encouraging others to become more like Christ. Being bold with others is both hard to do and sometimes it's hard to receive. I remember this has happened to me several times in my life where people have sat me down and said, listen, this might be a little uncomfortable, but it's uncomfortable for me, but I really need to tell you something. And they had seen something in my life that they just didn't think was quite pleasing to the Lord. And you know what? It was hard for them. And it was hard for me to receive that because no one likes to receive that kind of feedback just naturally. But you know what? I was so thankful that they had the courage to do it. I was so thankful they had the boldness to do it. And in our relationship with others, We need to be bold in helping each other grow to be more like Christ. It doesn't mean that you go around just looking for faults in other people that you can find out like, hey, that you were were too selfish there. Hey, you talked back to it. It doesn't mean that we go out and aggressively call every sinful behavior in someone else. But it means that when we notice patterns that we don't just shrink back and be like, well, everyone around them sees it. Maybe someday they'll see it for themselves. But maybe it means that, that we have the boldness in love and compassion and grace to point out areas of struggle and sin in other people's lives. See, when we say we're to live in Christian community, we mean more than just a social club. We mean more than just Christians should go to restaurants and hang out together. Christian community is about being bold in discipleship, about helping each other become more like Christians. Jesus. Sometimes what we call Christian communities, actually us just caring more about being light than truly loving others like Jesus would have us to do. So when our hope is placed on Christ, we can be bold, bold in sharing our faith, bold in how we live our lives. And yes, even bold in how we help each other and help ourselves grow to become more like Jesus. The third evidence of hope that should be seen in our lives is endurance. Endurance, this ability to pursue, to to keep on going, perseverance, steadfastness that we don't give up, that we keep on going. First Thessalonians chapter one says this, it's Paul praying. He says, remembering before our God and father, your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, the steadfastness, the perseverance of hope. In a passage we looked at a few weeks ago, reminds us of this in Romans chapter five, it says this, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame. See our proper hope brings about an endurance that we are able to persevere to get through the various trials and difficulties of life that may come our way. Endurance when you think about it as an attribute is not to put it mildly. it's not the most glamorous thing in the world, right? Think about what we think of endurance. We typically if you think of a sport, you think probably of running who is the fastest runner in history. You probably know who it is. It's Usain Bolt, right? He ran 200 meters in 19.19 seconds. He's run 100 meters in 9.58 seconds, multiple times, won multiple Olympic medals, the fastest man in history, worth millions and millions of dollars, recognizable by a lot of people, Usain Bolt. Who is the best endurance runner in history? If you're like me, you probably are like, I have no idea, which is why I looked it up. And it's probably, the experts say, um, a a guy whose professional career was mostly through the 1990s named Yanis Kouros, who has set basically all the long-distance running records. For six days, he ran 644 miles world record. In 48 hours, he ran 294 miles. And he sold also the 24-hour running mark where he ran over 188 miles in 24 hours. To put that into perspective, that's seven minute, 38 second miles for 24 hours straight. I have done that once for a half marathon and I thought I was going to die. This guy did it for 24 straight hours, 188 miles. But you've never heard of him because it's not the most glamorous thing. And when we think of endurance in our own lives, it's not the most glamorous attribute that we want about ourselves. I mean, think about it. If you could pick what you were known as, Maybe you don't want to be. I want to be known as the most loving Christian, the most joyful Christian, the most kind Christian. Not the Christian who has the most endurance, the most steadfastness, who has practiced the most perseverance. No one sets out wishing that they would be known for their endurance. But the reality is, is that difficult times come for all of us. And some of us, depending on the path that God has for us, will go through more tribulation and hardship than others. And the key to lasting, the key to getting through all of those things is that our hope is placed on Jesus Christ. The passage in Romans 5, suffering produces endurance, which produces character, which produces hope. See, we need people who have endurance, who have character in our world Today, God uses the struggles of our lives. He uses the hardships that we have to shape us for His purpose. And how do we get through the difficult times? It's by placing our hope in Jesus. So, if you're in the midst of suffering, of hardship, of pain, if you've been impacted, especially for those of you who have had hours reduced, hours cut, you have people who you are close to who are sick, if there's a greater sense than normal of uncertainty and unknown, and you're feeling kind of overwhelmed in the moment, how, how should we respond? Well, when we've placed our hope in Jesus, we can know because his promises for us never fail. That no matter what comes our way, we can keep going. We can get through whatever the struggles of this life may be because our hope is placed on Jesus. Now, I've told this story before, but as I thought this week of a story in my own life where I just had to keep going, my mind was brought back uh, to, to a race I did, I believe it was about five or six years ago, actually the first Ironman competition that I ever raced. I was, an uh, Ironman is a 2.4 mile swim, 110 mile bike ride, and you cap it off with a marathon. I was about halfway through the bike, 50 or some miles, in when my legs started to cramp, I got off the bike after 110 miles. I had to have two people actually help me off because when I got off the bike, my legs cramped so bad, I could not bend my knees and I only had a marathon to go. So what do you do when time-wise I looked down, I still had, you have 17 hours total to complete that race. I had about eight hours to go to cover 26 miles. What do you do when your legs are locking? Well, you just start moving forward down the road. And you just tell yourself, I just have to keep going. I just have to keep going. And you just put one foot in front of the other and no matter how much it hurts, no matter how much pain you're in, you just say, I've just got to keep going. And you start to think of man, what it will be like to cross the finish line. Don't focus on how bad it hurts, how much this next step hurts, but focus on the finish, on the goal that I'm working towards. See, for some of you today, you find yourself in a lot of pain, a lot of hardship, and you don't even know how you can take that next step. You don't even know how you can find the strength to get through whatever issues you may face tomorrow. Put your hope in the end goal, in Jesus, that you will be with him, that his promises towards you are always yes and amen, that he will be faithful to you. And as you put your hope in him, you will find Each and every day, the strength to get through whatever is coming your way. See, when we place our hope in Jesus, we can keep on living for him. We can keep on serving him. We can keep on praying for others. We can keep on loving our spouse. We can keep on parenting our kids. We can keep on loving Jesus. Because our hope is placed on him. No matter how hard things get, we know that he will never disappoint. So I see, are you seeing these signs in your life? Are you seeing a joy that is there no matter what circumstances may come your way? Are you living boldly because your hope isn't placed in the opinions of mankind, but your hope is placed on Jesus? And so your life can look different than the world's. And are you someone who has endurance? Are you able to get through things not because of your own strength, but because of the strength Jesus provides as we place our hope in him? God, we do thank you that as your word promises us, no one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame. God, and you provide for us exactly what we need, exactly when we need it. God, and for those who are today, in the midst of trial and difficulty, would you help them to put their hope in you, to take their eyes even for a moment off of their circumstances and instead to place them on their Savior and to see that you will provide a way even when we don't see a way. God, would you give us joy? Would you give us boldness as we live out the hope that you have called us to, not looking to the things of this world to satisfy, but ultimately looking to you. We pray all these things.